1: Have you ever wanted something that belonged to someone else so badly that you were willing to commit any overtly evil act to acquire it? Scripture tells us the prophet Nathan had to confront King David about David's coveting another man's wife. Listen in today as Pastor Draper continues the series on the Ten Commandments. He will be speaking from the subject, Thou shalt not covet.
2: What in the world is wrong with you shall not steal when they try folk for stealing? What in the world is wrong with you shall not murder when they put folk on trial for murder? Why don't they want You shall not commit adultery unless they're playing with somebody else's wife. You shall not lie. You You shall not covet. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Keep the Sabbath holy and on and on. Don't have no other gods before you wasn't that long ago since 9 one and we have the audacity to remove the Ten Commandments, maybe we are asking for something worse than a 9 one I stand with Judge Roy Moore. He's putting his whole career on the line for the testimony of Jesus Christ and all the saints who are blood washed ought to be rallying behind him and standing before him because that has implication over the 50 states of the United States of America. That last commandment that they don't want says, you shall not covet. There is a spiritual disease that is sweeping across the nations of the world. It has no respect of person, no respect of age, no respect of economic status. It rips families apart, causes a spiritual Christian to become carnal. It turns friends into enemies, causes church attendance to plummet. It turns the church that's once hot, lukewarm, and even cold this particular disease will turn joy into depression peace into confusion and faithfulness into self-centeredness what makes this particular disease so deadly and damnable is that it is so subtle in contaminating its unsuspecting prey and once you are in its clutches and possessed by it it takes you far from god far from god's plan And far from his divine will for your life. Today as God's messenger speaking from the Bible. God's medicine book which contains a list of spiritual diseases yet to be discovered by the Centers for Disease Control. I somberly announce to you today beloved that we have a severe outbreak of covetousness. What is covetousness? Say covet. Covet. What is covetousness? What, is, what does it mean to covet? In the Hebrew and Greek, it is to desire. It is to desire. It, it is to take pleasure in. It is to take delight in or have a strong longing for something at any cost. To covet is to lust or crave excessively after the possessions of others. It is to lust and crave excessively after the possessions of others. It's an attitude that says I must have the object of my desire or I'm absolutely miserable until I get it. This last commandment is unlike the previous nine Because while the first nine deals with the actions, the 10th commandment deals with the hidden attitude of the heart, which is the root of every sin against one's neighbor as well as against God. And beloved, be it known unto you today, if you are not satisfied with Jesus, then the spirit of covetousness will arrest you, will overtake you, and eventually consume you. You must be satisfied with Jesus or you will replace it with a cheap substitute that will not fulfill your life where did the sin of covetousness originate the origin of the sin of covetousness began in heaven of all places began in heaven when Lucifer desired to exalt his throne above God and to be like the most high God I dare you which resulted in his fall from heaven and not only his fall, but also a third of the heavenly host fell because of the sin of covetousness. And then we see this sin raises his ugly head in the garden where Adam and Eve desired and partook of the forbidden tree, disobeying God's clear instructions, which subsequently resulted in sin. Covetousness, desiring the very thing God had forbidden, resulted in broken fellowship with God and eventually expulsion from the Garden of Eden. Beloved, God says that we should have no other gods before him. And when we desire the possessions of others or take what God has has told us not to partake of, we worship the God of covetousness. Turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It's going to get real interesting, so hold your seatbelts. Colossians chapter three verses five and six. It says, "Beloved, it says, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Put to death, mortify, put to death, put to death what? Fornication. Say fornication. Fornication. Say it again. When the last time you said that word?" You say, what is that? That's sexual immorality, which refers to any form of sexual sin. You ought to put that to death. Fornication, any sexual sin, adultery, homosexuality, bisexuality, that's sleeping around with the opposite sex, that's incest, that's everything that is sexually immoral is under the umbrella of fornication. The next word we have there is uncleanness. Say uncleanness. Unclean. This is impurity. It is impurity it, and uncleanness. Evil thoughts and evil intentions. Some folks can sit in God's house and have evil intentions. Evil thoughts, impurity, evil intention. The next word is passion. Say passion. And the next, the following that one is his first cousin, evil desire. Say evil desire. Yeah, they brothers and sisters. That's to sexually lust. You're to put away sexual lust. You're to put away sensual appetites that leads to wicked and deviant behavior. If you don't put it away, it will t- take you over and here we are and what's that last word we ought to put away covetousness underline that in your bible because that's that's what this sermon is all about covetousness say covetousness you say what it is again i tell you it is greed say greed. greed greed an insatiable desire to gain more is covetousness especially the things that god has forbidden When God tells you you don't need that, then you ought not want what he tells you not to have. That's what got Adam and Eve in trouble. He said don't touch the tree, don't eat of the tree. Guess what? They touched and they ate. And because of it, consequences we're still experiencing today because of greed and taking the very thing God has forbidden. Which is, what's that last word? Idolatry. Say idolatry. Idolatry is actually the deifying of self. It is the deifying of self and other created things. When you can't come to church because of your television, then that television has become your God. When you can spend more time in front of the television than in front of your Bible, then that television has become your God. When you could talk for an hour on the phone but you can't read your Bible for 10 minutes, then the telephone and even the cell has come become your God. When you spend all that time on the internet and surfing in places you ought not be surfing, instead of worshiping your God in spirit and in truth, then that internet and that computer has become your God. Anything you put ahead of God is your idol. Even you can be an idol. It's all about you. you wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in yourself. You love yourself to, so much until you are self-sick. Idolatry is the deifying of self and other created things which God has Forbidden
1: Greetings and welcome to the Maranatha Bible Church broadcast ministry With Pastor Randall Draper We are excited about you joining us today As Pastor Draper continues the message Thou shalt not covet
2: This is not a popular message now I know why they want to take it out of the rotunda of the courthouse in Alabama. Maybe I need to preach this like Noah. Maybe I need to preach this message for 120 years. What is the cure for the spirit of covetousness? What is the cure for the spirit of now, I'm fast-forwarding for you. This is your first hearing this message for the first time. I've been preaching this message for three or four weeks, so you need to get the tapes because I'm fast-forwarding now to the last segment of this message if the Spirit lets me get through with it. What is the cure for the spirit of covetousness? That's the question. Number one, when God exposes our covetousness, we need to repent and confess the sin of covetousness. As you walk with God and commune with God and his word, God will show you things about yourself that you need to deal with. You know why people don't get in the word enough? Because it's too convicting. You know why folk have a struggle in getting to church? It's because when they get here, they get convicted and they think that ignorance is bliss. And beloved, ignorance of God's law is no excuse. And when you begin to allow the Spirit of God to have his way with you and be in the Word of God, listen, God will reveal things about yourself and you first, well, I ain't covetous. I'm not covetous. I don't covet. Oh, but you need to get the other message from a couple of weeks ago. I listed a whole litany of things that we find ourselves coveting. When God exposes those things, then we need to name them one by one and confess them one by one so that we can live a life that's pleasing unto the Lord. And pride will keep you from dealing with the issues of yourself. Huh? How many of you got issues about you? And your toes ought to be up too. We all got issues about us. And that's why we come to the Lord's house to fall under the conviction, to deal with the issue of ourselves, to deal with our inadequacy, to deal with our sins, not our mistakes. You don't make mistakes. You're a sinner. God did not die for your mistakes. It does not say that anywhere in scripture. He died for our what? Sins. Number two, what is the cure for covetousness? Be content with what God has blessed you with. Ah, Be content with what God has blessed you with. Philippians chapter 4 verse 11. Philippians 4 11 says, Not that I in regard to need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. In other words, to be satisfied. You know, how much is enough? Don't you know you you are bountifully, abundantly blessed Don't you know your life is overflowing abundantly with the blessings of God? How much more do you need? You got enough stuff. All in your house is not another place to put a picture. You got furniture on top of furniture. And now you move out and you park a little storage in the backyard. That's after the attic is full, you put the storage out there and you fill it up, and then you go down the street and you rent some storage to put more stuff. And then when you get tired of it, instead of giving it to the poor, you have a sale in your house or outside your house to sell your stuff to make more money to buy more stuff. No wonder the Ten Commandments is an issue. You love your stuff. The spirit of materialism is choking God's people to death. It is choking prayer out of you. It is choking worship out of you. It is choking honoring God out of you. It is choking the very word out of you. Get your act together and be satisfied with what God has blessed you with. 1 Timothy 6 6. 1 Timothy 6 6 says, Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Listen, when you live godly, you watch what you say, you watch what you do, you watch what you hear, and you watch where you go. (laughs) And then being content with your God. Yeah, you might not have a house in Dominion, you might not have one in Castle Hill, but you got a mansion in the sky. Amen. And you don't have to worry about the foundation cracking. Amen. will not have to worry about termites and erosion and painting and remodeling. Amen. When you think about the fact that all this stuff is passing away and you're going to that which is eternal and permanent, listen, just be godly and be content. That's the cure for covetousness, contentment. Be content with what God has blessed you with. You got freezers full of food. The birds, don't worry. What one, show me one bird with a freezer. Amen. <laughs> hey you got freezers. You got closets. You got cars. You got phones in the rooms. Two and three toilets in the house. Televisions in the cars, surround sounds gigantic screens that engulf you, satellites with a thousand channels to keep you dissatisfied. You need to get that one-eyed monster out your house so you can worship God. Thirdly, what is the third remedy for covetousness? Avoid status symbol buying. Avoid the status symbol buying, unnecessary spending and extravagant lifestyle. So that's why you can't give to God's church. Mm -hmm. That's why you can't give supplies to our school in Uganda. That's why you have problem meeting needs. Because you buy stuff, it, it's not just good enough to have some Avon cologne. You want Pierre Cardin. <laughs> Amen. Hey, you want Jordash And you want all the other names I can't call. status symbol. Listen, some cars, you got a car and it does what the next car, but you want that car because it has a little emblem on it to let you know that you cool. <laughs> hmm? Unnecessary spending. Just because you see it doesn't mean you have to buy it. That is spiritual discipline. Say, I see it, I like it, but I ain't going to buy it. an extravagant lifestyle living high on a hog you heard that terminology that's an old term but it's true you what you need is some pig feet <laughs> <laughs> amen hey <laughs> get out that high hog <laughs> I'm trying to help you with this business of covetousness. This is the last commandment, so I gotta hang here a while. How do you deal with the spirit of covetousness? Listen, use wisdom in regard to major purchases and be patient. Use wisdom. You know, when a spirit of covetousness has caught you, all of a sudden you you buy more than you can afford. You spend more that you can pay for. You write checks that you don't have money in the bank for. You say, how can you, you know you don't have it. you know that money's not in the bank, and then you run and try to catch it. Now you can't catch it. The system's too fast now. You used to can catch it, but technology has got it now where you can't even catch it. use wisdom in regards and if your checkbook is out of order and some of you, your problem is you don't even know how to balance the book. And got too much pride to ask somebody to teach you. And if you don't know what you're doing, shut it up and write money orders. Go pay it at the courtesy booth. Hmm. How do you get a handle? I mean, use wisdom in regards to major purchases and be patient. What that means, expensive vacations are not needed every year. Now if you go to Disney one year, hey amen. don't try to take a cruise the next. I mean, unless you can really live life at that level and there's no problem, then you might need to take one out of town and one in town, or at least in state. You are got to take a cruise every year. And you ain't caught up with paying for the last cruise. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Be reasonable, be sensible. Dr. Sharosh was just here last week and he wanted to take a tour of San Antonio. So my wife and I, we became tours. We saw how much it was to do these tours in San Antonio and my wife and I concluded, huh, if we got to pay that much, we can just be our own tour guides. And shave off all this. We put them in the car and we took them all over the river, walking to that. This is the Great Alamo. And this is, we went boat riding. And we went up in River City. We were just, well, I was, I mean, that old man wore me out. <laughs> 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 and, uh, but you know, and people asked, I was on a boat and there's some other uh, couple, dear couple that's sitting right next to me. And you know, I'm asking about Jesus. And they said, oh, yeah. And I said, where are you from? They was somewhere around Tyler. And they said, where are you from? I said, San Antonio. And everybody started laughing <laughs> because it's so strange for a San Antonian to take a boat ride in their own city. Amen. You go all the way to Houston to go to Astroworld with six flags. What, what this thing here? SeaWorld and Fiesta, Texas will give you the same ride. And you know you can't afford to Houston. Your car ain't gonna half make it. You should not covet. (laughs) You should not covet. It is not necessary to buy a new car as soon as you pay off the old car note. What's wrong with y'all? I hate car notes. I keep a car on an average of eight to 10 years. On the average, I do. My last car, I rode that big white boat. (laughs) Y'all know I did. We haul ensemble equipment, it, I mean it had a deep trunk, we just put it in there. That Buick, I bought my kids from the hospital in that Buick. I'm, that, listen, when you ride in the spirit and you live right, God will put mileage on your car. Yes, he will too, I know he will. I put over 200 and some thousand miles, rode that Buick for 14 years and it died when I finally got a new one. In the parking lot, literally. It wouldn't start. After 14 years of starting, when I retired her, she wouldn't crank. The salesman couldn't even get it going again. I said, it stopped because God's servant is out of it. <laughs> Let me give you some wisdom. Listen, what you need to do with your car is maintain it, pray on it, and drive on.
1: Thank you for tuning into this program for the Maranatha Bible Church Broadcast Ministry. This broadcast is supported in part by your generous financial contributions, and we invite you to partner with us in spreading this important word throughout our local community and the world. If the Lord spoke to you in this message, let us know. Call us at 210-821-5683. Even better, come and visit us at 7855 East Loop 1604 North, Converse, Texas 78109 directly across from randolph air force base visit our website at www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio and video messages you can also find service times directions to the church upcoming events and much much more tune in tomorrow's pastor draper continues to teach us from the word of god thank you for joining us today and may the lord's blessings be upon you